And we're back with Warren Kinsella, as we always are on a Fridays, uh, regardless of when you're listening to this podcast, it is being uh, recorded on, on a Friday, uh, January 27th. Hang on, let me, I've got to try that again. My eyes failed me, it's January 26th. Can I just do it again? Yep. I'll just do it again. I'll just do it again. In yep. three, two, one. Welcome back to the Charles Adler Show. We are recording this podcast on Friday, January 26th. Three days ahead of my mom's 90th birthday. Warren Kinsella, we can uh, begin with uh, you wishing my mama a happy uh, birthday, and then uh, we can move on to uh, the most important story of the week, uh, perhaps the most important uh, story of the season. Happy birthday, Mrs. Adler. Happy birthday, Mrs. Adler. Happy birthday, happy birthday. I know your son, and he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> All right. That <laughs> That may not mean as much to you as it will to her. Thank you so much, uh, Warren Kinsella. All right, so now that we've gotten uh, uh, the personal stuff out of the way, uh, let's uh, get into something that is absolutely critical. Uh, Warren Kinsella is a Renaissance man. Uh, there are so many things that he's accomplished, uh, author, uh, painter, war room guy, public relations expert, the CEO of the Daisy Group. But right now he's going to be wearing the lawyer's hat, looking at the latest judgment coming down from the ICJ, the International Court of Justice. Warren, I think you've looked through most of what they've delivered. What are you seeing? I see Israel winning, and uh, I'm pretty happy about it. And I think anybody who supports Israel and decency and civilization is happy about it because we didn't expect it. You know, this is the court, the high court of the United Nations, the United Nations General Assembly ruled 14 times against Israel just last year. It's ruled against Israel many, many other times and voted against it and condemned it and so on. And contrary, I think, to most people's expectations, mine included, South Africa's stunt to have Israel found guilty of uh, genocide and ordered to stop its, its uh, necessary military action against Hamas, they didn't find that. The 15-member panel ruled that uh, there was, in fact, a slaughter of Jews in Israel on October 7th. There was rape. There were hostages who should be released immediately. And they said, you know, we may, we may rule on the um, uh, issue of uh, uh, genocide at a later date. But they, they basically said to Israel, conduct yourself with some care and some caution. But they declined to find that Israel was committing genocide. And that is a, a very good thing indeed. So you say you were surprised, and it's not that I want to argue with you, but uh, I always see my job as uh, drilling down into the legal mind of, of, of Kinsella in behalf of uh, those who are, are listening to us and watching. Um, are you suggesting that the International Court of Justice is generally casual about genocide? Uh, no, I'm I'm suggesting that the International Court of Justice is unfair to Israel. <laughs> and it, you know, it's got 15 members representing a bunch of different countries. And unfortunately, some of those countries are run by despots and they're not democracies by any standard. And um, I, I don't think anybody expected this. Now, you may say, OK, well, then why did Israel bother to participate in you know the litigation that was brought by South Africa two weeks ago? Well, because the eyes of the world are on Gaza. 
the eyes of the world are on what's taking place in Gaza at the present time. And while it didn't have material legal value in the way that court decisions do elsewhere in the world, it certainly had an importance symbolically. Symbolically, would the world court, because that's what this is, say that Israel was committing genocide? And this morning, historically, surprisingly, it did not rule that. It did not say that Israel was committing genocide. It declined to do that, and that was a big surprise. All right. Well, okay. I'll just I'll just say uh, not not because I'm a lawyer, but because I, I I follow this stuff assiduously and have for my entire life. I did not expect them uh, to rule in favor of South Africa because I think they take uh, the word genocide very seriously. If it, it comes to a whole lot of other issues around uh, whether or not Israel is doing enough to. I provide, uh, make sure that the people in Gaza have humanitarian relief and many other things. I think the ICJ would uh, rule uh, against Israel, but but I think genocide is uh, a bridge a bridge too far. When when is the last time uh, the ICJ? Do you know, Warren? When is the last time they accused any country of genocide? Well, the the most celebrated and important, uh, and and there have been some important decisions made by these international bodies, um, particularly what took place in Rwanda, particularly what took place in Bosnia in the 90s and the slaughter of, of Muslims uh, by the Serbs. So they have dealt with this issue before. And they, but it, you know, it's so important, Charles, that this issue be dealt with delicately. You know, people are throwing around the word genocide these days like it's confetti and accusing Israel of it. Genocide is the most serious crime there is. It is murder on a mass scale motivated by hatred. There's no more serious crime with which you can charge an individual or a group or a country. Like there's nothing above that. That's the the, the most serious allegation there is. And that's why so many of us were appalled by South Africa, you know, the birthplace of Nelson Mandela, participating, actually leading this effort to accuse Israel of genocide. Well, they miscalculated. They made a big mistake, and so did their patrons, uh, which includes Russia, and they've received funding from Hamas in the past because, as we all know, Hamas is swimming in it. They they lost. They lost. And, um, you know, I was, (laughs) I woke up to this ruling, and I just couldn't believe it. Now, Judge Donahue, who is an American, who is the president of the court, said this morning that Gaza has become a place of death and despair. And that's one thing that both sides can agree upon. But, you know, Israel would say, and I would say, well, the reason why it's become a place of death and despair is because of Hamas. Hamas and Russia and China might say it's because of Israel. Well, the the International Court of Justice did not agree with that. They said that, you know, they said, Charles, that Israel needs to ensure that it's adhering to the Geneva Convention. It needs to make sure that it is uh, prosecuting this war with care and attention to humanitarian issues, needs to let in aid. It's been doing that. Um, But it did not find that it Israel has committed genocide, and it's this, this one is like, knock me over with a feather. Did not expect it. Okay, well, uh, the, the other reason I, I didn't expect them to uh, rule genocide, because uh, some of the evidence that uh, South Africa was presenting, uh, just, I'm sorry, uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't cut it. 
doesn't cut the mustard as far as evidence is concerned. And when I say that, I'm referring specifically to statements made by the most radical members of the Netanyahu exactly. government. Exactly. Uh, yes, uh, they are. They they are people that I think you and I would both agree, and I think most fair-minded Canadians would agree, do not belong in any cabinet. And I think uh, Joe Biden has said that uh, to Netanyahu face to face that the, these these guys don't don't belong uh, in the cabinet of any democracy. Of course, it's Netanyahu's decision to keep them there, but it's their vulgar and venal, ugly yes, and I'll I'll say it, genocidal statements. That got Israel into trouble, I think, with the South Africans. Absolutely. And you know, some of those statements, those statements by those extremists were read into the record today. And there's no question those members of Netanyahu's cabinet and Netanyahu himself, in my opinion, um, are extremists and they have no interest in peace. They, they're interested in war because they see that as furthering, you know, their um their political objectives, their political careers, really. But like at the end of the day, the court ruled that there was no genocide taking place. They said that, you know, they're not required to ascertain whether there have been any violations of the Geneva Convention at this time. I'm not sure that's the case. They said that it could happen at a later stage of the process. But the way the ICJ works, Charles, like we, we could be talking months from now, years from now, before they rule ultimately on some of these other questions. But for the, you know, the interim reading the ruling, the ruling that took place today, this Friday, this morning, they ruled in favor of Israel. And uh, that is a very big deal indeed. So let's uh, go to a different country and uh, the idea of national security being subservient to politics. And I'm speaking specifically about Capitol Hill conservatives, Capitol Hill Republicans, and by the way, the Wall Street Journal, the organ of the conservative movement in the United States has come out. I've never seen this before, and I've been reading the Wall Street Journal since I was 16 years old, sneaking into university libraries. The <laughs> Wall Street Journal editorial board has actually uh, decided that Joe Biden's Democrats have the correct position on the border and the Republicans do not. Mitch McConnell and his Republicans deciding they will do nothing to fix the border security issue. I'm talking about the southern border, of course, not the border with Canada, but the, the southern border, which, which, is, which is leaking like a sieve, that they will do nothing to help the southern border situation. Because if they help uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats and they help their countrymen with that border situation, it may, uh, it may not uh, be in the favor of Donald Trump who will be using the border situation from from now until November. So uh, the Republicans putting politics over national security. Warren can sell your take. Not all of them, however. You know, Senate Republicans, who tend to be more mature than the maniacs that represent the GOP and the House of Representatives, as you know, some of them are privately seething, the New York Times has reported this morning, because Trump, you know, fresh from his victories in Iowa and New Hampshire, went and blew up the deal that existed over the border uh, because, you know, he is the agent of chaos, as we've talked about before. That's what he favors. He doesn't favor any coherent policy. He favors dictators and strong men and chaos. And so whatever deal was there was blown up by him and the winged monkeys who make up his caucus. But, you know, as with abortion, Charles, I think the GOP is going to rue the day that they let important policy decisions be made 
by Trump and these idiots who surround him. You know, if you look at what happened in the off year um, midterms, really, that took place in November and, you know, the year before that, the policy decisions like abortion are tremendously hurting the Republican Party. It almost doesn't matter who leads the Democrats. All they have to do these days is stand up and say, we favor reproductive rights for women and we uh, are against election denialism. We believe in democracy and they win, you know, like in Kansas, like the reddest of the red states, you know, they constitutionalize abortion rights. So the, the GOP is making a huge, huge mistake. And I say this full disclosure, somebody's work for Biden and work for Hillary um, by following again, following Donald Trump down the path because they're following him down the path to defeat again, again, we needed to have some kind of a border deal. It is reasonable to have some kind of reasonable controls over a nation's borders. And it was critically important because the you know military support for Ukraine was being held up by it as well. You know, in Ukraine, they're literally running out of bullets on the front line. We needed to have some kind of an agreement about moving forward in the United States. And once again, Trump has blown it up. He is the chaos agent. So um, Tucker Carlson uh, is in uh, Calgary and Edmonton uh, this week. And uh, Danielle Smith, is uh, the premier of Alberta, is on the stage with him. It's a crowd that absolutely loves Tucker Carlson. And it's a crowd that uh, loves Danielle Smith. And if you just look at the the optics of how the crowd responded to Tucker Carlson and Smith, uh, it looks like a successful night both in Calgary and Edmonton. But I want to look beyond uh, you know tickets and, and ticket sales, although many tickets were, were given away free, they couldn't uh, they couldn't fill the uh, the, uh, the, the uh, arenas without uh, you know a lot of freebies papering the house as it were. But putting that aside, uh, Tucker Carlson is perhaps Vladimir Putin's best friend in the United States. Uh, they run Tucker Carlson commentaries regularly on all of Putin's uh, propaganda networks. Uh, Tucker Carlson puts out the word that Ukraine is the bad guy and uh, Vladimir Putin is the good guy, uh, even to the extent of saying that that Putin is defending Christians, whereas uh, uh, Ukraine isn't. Uh, and I'm not going to get into all of the other ridiculous propaganda. What does it look like to you? You're a, a native uh, Calgarian. Uh, what does it look like to you to have the the premier of Alberta dancing with the devil, as it were, Tucker Carlson. It's a disgrace. It's disgusting. And it makes me ashamed as an Albertan, you know, and she echoed some of the stuff that this bastard has said about Russia, because she initially suggested that Vladimir Putin should be allowed to do whatever he wants in, in Ukraine. And Alberta has one of the largest Ukrainian diasporas in the world. So she had to do a, execute a quick reversal on that one. But like leaving that issue aside, Tucker Carlson, Charles, is a white supremacist. Like this is a guy who said that immigrants make the United States poorer and dirtier and more divided. This is a guy who has said that there is a white replacement theory, which is that immigrants are being let in and it's eugenics against white people and white people are being replaced by immigrants. This is a guy who has said that white men created civilization and on and on and on. He is a white supremacist. He is a Klansman in a suit and a tie. 
And Daniel Smith may not care now that she posed for a ridiculous selfie with this bastard, but she is going to regret it in the future because every further outrageous statement that Tucker Carlson makes, she is going to be forced to wear because that's the way politics works. So shame on her for doing that, but I think she's going to pay a heavy price for it. Daniel uh, Smith was standing there uh, smiling in both uh, Calgary and Edmonton uh, while Tucker Carlson was uh, mocking uh, Justin Trudeau, not in the way that uh, most people mock him, at least not most people publicly. And you're one of the people who've done uh, your share of mocking of, of, of the prime minister. But uh, he was getting into the business of calling Justin Trudeau a, a cross-dresser. And I'm uh, loath to just throw around the word uh, homophobia casually. I don't. But this was 100% hate-filled homophobic messaging from Tucker Carlson and Danielle Smith was just sitting there smiling. And I hate to put it this way because uh, as a, as a human being, I have respect for her and I know her, but on this podcast or anything else I do publicly, whether it's a column or this, I've got to, to, to say what I mean and mean what I say. She came across as simply a, 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 a childish right-wing groupie uh, while Tucker Carlson was laying down that kind of sickening lumber. Well, you're you're a good nicer person than me because I have no respect for her whatsoever and I never have. I think she's an idiot. And this was yet more evidence of that. Um and you know, it's like like Tucker Carlson is one to talk about homophobia because you know, I think you and I are both aware of some of the stories that circulated about this guy for many years. So, uh he doth protest too much. Let's just put it that way. But like so what? Like, if you're in in indulging in that kind of offensive bullshit, like, that doesn't say anything about your target. It's the war room rule. I'd say to all the young charges that work for me in war rooms, when you are our, our rule in any war room that I ran is we focus critically on the public record of our opponents, votes and quotes, you know, and how they use banknotes. That's what I would say to them. But we are not, not ever to talk about somebody's personal life or their family because that just rebounds on the accuser. That just rebounds on the one who's making those statements. And it makes Tucker Carlson look like a scumbag and it places her directly in the, the blast radius. And, uh, you know, why she was there is beyond me. She's one. She's got a majority, barely. And uh, she doesn't she's not running again. She didn't need to be there. By being there, she tells us everything that we need to know about what Daniel Smith is really like, and it's not very good. Warren Kinsella, scientists are now uh, getting serious about play. Scientists in this country are now talking about how it really would be useful for children to spend more time outdoors. Now, uh, you know, this is all about uh, curbing uh, helicopter parenting, and uh, I'm old enough uh, to remember being a child before the helicopter. You and I are both about the same age. I'm ex exaggerating only a little bit. But you're a parent. And before we, we you know, get to the end of this particular trail this week, I want to just ask Warren Kinsella as a parent, um, have you ever been a helicopter parent? Have, did your parents ever helicopter you? And, and what do you make of uh, the social science that now says, you know what, uh, it might, might be an idea to encourage the child to get away from the computer, maybe even take the iPhone or other smartphone away for 
uh, a couple of hours and let them play some road hockey. Yeah, well, in Toronto, you can't toboggan because the city's decided kids can't toboggan on sea. Like, it's just insanity. But, you know, this helicopter stuff. Like, let me give you an example. Let me tell you a story. My dad was a doctor, as you know, and my mom was an artist. And the story that both of them told me, so it must be true, um, is when I was a baby, she was giving me a bath once. And I know it's a horrible image, but bear with me. And... Uh, <laughs> She's given me a bath, and apparently I took the little slither of soap as we were in Montreal, uh, and uh, I swallowed it. And so my mother ran in uh, to the next room where my father was carrying me, uh, swaddled in a towel, and uh, he was reading the paper, probably the Montreal Star at that point, and said, you know, Douglas, Douglas, Warren swallowed you know, a bar of soap, what should I do? And he didn't even look at her. <laughs> Apparently what he said was, turn him upside down and shake him and he'll blow bubbles for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's kind of how I was brought up and um, how a lot of us were brought up. And, you know, my kids, I worry about them. You know, as soon as you become a parent, you worry about your kids basically until you die. And the last thing, if you asked any of my kids, what's your dad like? And I'll say the same thing. The last thing he always says to us when he's saying goodbye is, don't become a statistic. That's what I always say. <laughs> don't become a statistic. So I do want them to be careful. You know, I want to stay the, you know, stay out of places that are obviously dangerous and so on. But I do believe, because this is the way I was brought up, that skinning your knee periodically or, you know, doing something a little bit dumb. It's just, you know, part of the education. That's how you learn how not to do things. It's like elections. You know, I was saying to a young man the other day who was despairing of politics, I said, well, get involved in the campaign. He said, what if it loses? I said, well, it's in the campaigns you lose where you learn something. You don't ever win learn anything from winning. You learn from losing. The same thing with the skin knee. Letting your kids go out there and experience the world and get bumped around a little bit, that ain't such a bad thing. Well, on that note, Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to regret telling you that story, aren't I? <laughs> no, you, 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 you. listen, um, uh, the Americans are into this, but the Canadians more so. Um, virtually every Canadian has a nickname. I have not had a nickname for you for half a century. <laughs> but uh, you've given me a great gift today. Th thank you for the gift. Uh, thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your friendship. And thank you so much for the writing that you do, Warren Kinsella. Thank you, sir. Bubbles signing out. That's Bubbles, and I'm Charles Adler.